Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful Northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio, our two-hour live show that we bring you guys every single week to bring you our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, what's happening in media, and how to break through all of the propaganda and bullshit. And of course, it's Pride Month. Aren't we so excited? Oh my gosh, it's Pride. What, what are, Alan, what are you doing to celebrate Pride? No, not even a reaction. That's about it. That's it? Just nothing? Just... <laughs> well, fantastic. Um, no, so it, it is Pride Month, which is always the fun revelation of just how bullshit everything actually is um, and how embedded in the nonsense uh, things appear to be um, and will, uh, I don't know, always be forever and ever um, because of all of the pushing. But we are going to get to um, an explanation as to why... Uh, so much of pride is being pushed. Like, what is it that's pushing this? Why would anybody care about this? Like, why is this really a thing? Because when you look around at everything that's going on, you know, in normal, you know, America, you have to ask yourself, who cares about this? Who's like, who, who is the audience for all of this nonsense? And it's a pretty legitimate question to ask. So, uh, we're going to dive into exactly why this is happening. And a lot of that uh, revolves around uh, the existence of ESG. And so, Ooh. yeah, of course. So we have to ask ourselves immediately, why though? And what is ESG? But we'll get to that. There's a few things that we want to cover first. One, one big story uh, that I really, really like to dive into is the LA Dodgers. There's been a lot of stuff, um, a lot of information kind of being pushed out with regards to the LA Dodgers uh, in reaction to the LA Dodgers celebrating the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Gross. Which is, yeah, which is a drag queen group uh, that primarily, that, that dresses up like nuns, dresses in drag, and uh, does things like pole dances on a crucifix with a man being crucified on it, um, you know, as a note to Jesus. And uh, basically performs sacrilege. So. Yeah, so basically it's a group aimed at doing what the left always does, which is insult Christianity. But, of course, they never insult any other religion. Indeed. Because, of course, why why wouldn't they? Um Still got everything up as far as I know on Rumble. So anybody who wants to join, feel free to comment. We'll follow the live chat there, although it's looking weird to me and it kind of looks like it's claiming it's offline. So we'll hope that everything's working just fine because I did everything right. Pretty sure. But we'll find out. Um, and I'll uh, I'll mess around with the audio a little bit to make Alan's life a little bit easier so he's hearing weird echoes. Because why, mm -hmm. why would things go great after a, a little while and a holiday weekend? Um, of course. <laughs> why would anything work that would be silly um so we'll just move it over like that and that'll work just fine or hopefully <clears throat> now 
so this whole Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, like obviously, th- this is something actually, I, Alan. I think I think you'll have a you'll have a fun thing to kind of uh, bring into this and a perspective on it, which is th- there there is an underlying obsession in the I guess you could call it the LGBT community of just an absolute hatred for um, an absolute hatred for Christianity. Like there, there's, there's no denying it. Um, a lot of the activities that you see, a lot of the sort of driving factors behind a lot of LGBT statements and signage and branding and all of that, um, is a slap back to their most hated enemy, which is uh, basically anybody who goes to church, specifically right. Christian church. Now understand that they, they will not. It's not religion, even though all the major religions, see, this is the interesting part. All the major religions reject homosexuality, but for whatever reason, it's different when it comes to Christianity. So thoughts, I'll just start with those initials. Thoughts on Yeah, why thoughts on that. Like why, why is that? is such a big deal. <laughs> why what? Why sodomy is so important to the left. No, why they? Why is the LGBT community so hyper focused on attacking Christianity, Christians oh. specifically? Yeah. Oh, easy because uh, they view because their real enemy is basically Amer- um, everyday normal Americans, and they it's the status quo in America, and they hate and they want to. Christianity represents historic America, and they want to do everything they can to destroy it. Okay, so so you think that it's a relation to yeah. the United States? Absolutely. They, okay. I mean, their hated enemy is the heritage, just normal, everyday American. It's the America of the 50s. That's the, that is what they hate, and they are trying to destroy. That's why they're tearing down all the monuments that those people erected. They are trying to destroy the families those people had. They're trying to deindustrialize and destroy the economy those people created. And they're trying to destroy the society that existed in the United States in the 1950s. That's the entire goal of the left, is to basically destroy the America of the 19th that had been created by the 1950s. And that's what they see as their enemy. That's what they are having their revolution against. If the if we want to say it's cultural Marxism, well, the Marxists saw imperialist Russia and said the status of this in this european country culturally and socially that has to be completely destroyed to build our new world order they look at the america that of the 1950s because that is what is sort of idealized as prime america and because all this started in the 60s they look at that and say that is our enemy and what we have to destroy that is the rev that is what they are having a revolution against and Christianity is a part of that, which is why they push all of these things that are anti-Christian. For example, the LGBT nonsense is entirely aimed at destroying the family structure, social structure, and religious structure of what was once the United States. So one of the things that I've noticed, you mentioned the whole like 1950s America, right? And uh, there's like a, I don't know if it's actually Norman Rockwell, but it looks like a Norman Rockwell painting where it's like the family in the 50s. And one of the things that libs love to do is it's like, I'm addicted, like the the mom, it's like, I'm addicted to um, whatever, like I'm addicted to like antidepressants. The dad's like, I'm secretly gay. And then the son's like, my dad beats me and like all this other weird stuff. And it's, 
it's something that I've that I've noticed, and it's it's been primarily pushed by like Hollywood, which is the idea of any sort of romanticism of like what would be what would basically be considered American culture. Um, the left always has to perpetuate as if it's this big lie. In reality, everyone is, you know, like everyone's actually secretly gay and a drag queen and addicted to drugs. They're all just lying about it. And I can't help but think that right. I, I right. think that a lot of Americans are kind of seeing this reaction now, now that things have gotten so extreme and they're going, oh, they've literally like it's a guilt complex that they're just shelving on everyone else. Yeah. And. You know, it, nothing encapsulates it better. Uh, encapsulates it better um, than this whole pushback against the sisters of perpetual indulgence. And what what it was is, for whatever reason, to be woke now, you have to support drag queens because they thought that they could make. Um, they they thought they thought that they can make this a. Um, I, I, an acceptable, like it, to me, sure. I think the left saw all the trans stuff as being almost a little bit of a bridge too far, uh, for some people. And so they decided to make it drag Queens because that's basically known and isn't, it isn't actually trans, but they're trying to make them synonymous. Like, Oh, people who sure. go out to a bar show and see people who dress up like Maria Antoinette or whatever and dance around. Like that's really what conservatives are mad about. And it's like, no, we're talking about you mutilating our children. They're like, Nope, Nope, Nope. It's RuPaul's drag race. That's what's making these conservatives so mad. Um, mm -hmm. but then they couldn't help themselves. And for whatever reason, they have to like do it in front of children. Um, right. That's the, Again, they the whole focus is on twisting, subverting, and destroying what they see as the previous American culture so they can replace it with their global bug hive nineteen eighty four brave new world nonsense well, and how how much of it do you think is legitimately just to piss people off? Oh, that's that's a big part of it. It is since since the entire focus of the left is, Destroying and subverting the previous American civilization, well, all Western civilization, honestly, since it is focused on subverting and destroying it, a huge portion is attacking it every which way they can, and a big portion of that is um, basically doing anything they can that signals they are opposed to that or that pisses the normal people off is... They must be doing the right thing. Sort of, if you're taking flack, then you're over target. If you're pissing off Christians, you're doing the right thing. If you're pissing off people that have normal family, the, the nuclear family structure, then you're doing the right thing. If you're pissing off people who are, you know, who are care about their children, you're doing the right thing. If you're ma basically, if you're making those people mad, then you're doing the right thing. That's a lot of the way. That's the, the simplest way the left has communicated to its basically dispersed group of activists so any any leftist is essentially an activist in waiting kind of like agent smith in the matrix they've dispersed the orders are simply just do things that makes those people mad and then we will i mean that's all you need to do it's like it's very 
it's a very smart way to do it because if you just if since they're totally re reactive it allows them to basically operate without a top-down organizational structure you could say the media does it the movies do it but really what it is is those institutions simply set this is the caricature that you are to react against and in your own private life whatever you see that caricature or those people promoting doing valuing caring about do things that attacks that or denigrates it or makes fun of it or basically whatever you can do to make those people mad about the things they care about is the right thing to do. So you don't need to send out a memo to every you know Democrat voter or every liberal like of what we're angry about this week. You just need to say this is what these people care about and then they will self-organize themselves. It's like you can have teachers organize themselves like, oh, I heard that the uh, like all the parents like are kind of worried about the, the healthy you know, development of their children. Oh, let's do things that interfere with that because that will make them mad. And then I can strike back against our hated enemy of the patriarchy or whatever. Right. And it's it's interesting because like, you know, be a pride month, obviously, we're going to see all of the displays and corporate logos or at least we expected to we expected to see all the rainbowed corporate logos but we there have been some noticeably absent um groups that were kind of uh, normally involved in this particularly the department of defense after facing a lot of questions uh from those of you who remember um there was a lot of questions that came out of the Republican Congress or, or the Republican House when they were talking to uh, Lloyd Austin and other uh, members of the you know Pentagon DOD staff, and and basically even uh, questioning from like Matt Gates where he asked I don't remember exactly who the admin official was, but he basically was like Hey, do you think um, all this imagery of like, you know, the soldier with two mommies and like the drag queen dressed up in a or the the naval um the the sailor that's also a drag queen like hey, do you think that this is actually going to drive up recruitment? And the response from the guy was like, "No." And he was like, "You know, the majority of recruits are like white, you know, white southern males. Do, do you think that this appeals to them for recruitment?" And he was like, "No, no sir, I don't." And so it's like um, there's a great stone toss comic where it's a, it's taking place in a boardroom and it has like a picture of two guys making out and the marketing guy looks over at like the CEO and the CEO goes, well, how is this supposed to sell more burgers? And the marketing guy just goes, burgers? Yeah. Uh, and it's like the perfect thing is that, oh, yeah, this wasn't for recruitment. We're not doing this for recruitment. We're just doing this because Be basically because we obsess over this stuff. And I think at the end of the day, like, well, it, and it, sorry, the long, the part of the, D the DOD here is like, for example, the Pentagon, um, canceled its annual pride drag show, which by the way, Alan, did you know the Pentagon had an annual pride drag show? I did not, but it certainly doesn't surprise me. And like, what is this for? Like, okay, honest question. Let let's be let's be a little objective here, but like, very honest question. Do you think anybody who's gay that wants to join the military gives a damn about whether or not the military has drag shows? 
I think that they probably do not. Right. And one of the things that I, I want to point out to the audience here so everyone understands, one of the interesting things when it comes to liberalism that you have to ask yourself about is if no one was ever told that something was, say, missing or whatever, would anyone have actually cared? Because so much of what the left does is driven off of outrage that we do honestly have to ask ourselves, like, for example, let's let's just play the whole DOD thing. Let's pretend that, uh, you know, like this, let's pretend that they weren't hosting drag shows. Unless someone came out and said, did you know that the DOD won't allow there to be drag shows on any military bases? There's like not a single person. In, there's not a single gay person in the military that's just sitting there outraged throughout their entire life because gosh, gee shucks. I just wish that there could be drag shows on base here. Like that's not happening, but for right. whatever reason, the Biden DOD decided that they absolutely had to have it. And it's weird. Like at the end of the day, it's just weird. And it's, I almost, well, actually I don't almost wonder. I know, I know exactly why the majority of the military is conservative. Barack Obama, believe it or not, will go back to the Obama presidency. Absolutely hated the military. I mean, it was one of his big driving factors when he was getting elected was talking about, in reality, was basically accusing the military of war crimes in Afghanistan and Iraq, especially things like Abu Ghraib and uh, Guantanamo Bay. This was rhetoric that Barack Obama himself consistently used. Now... He didn't do anything about any of that once he got into office, but he very regularly uh, basically signaled to his most ardent liberal base uh, that he was not okay with the makeup of the United States' military being primarily conservatives, especially primarily conservatives with those accents that the libs just hate. I think that yeah. there was a considerable amount of targeting beginning probably before but certainly um, accelerated during the Obama presidency where they decided that they were going to, in effect, chase out all of the conservatives, chase all of the conservatives out of the military, specifically so, specifically so they could get, much like what you're seeing with, say, like district attorneys and things like that, people who are going to interpret Everything through the lens of liberal indoctrination and not say, I don't know, defense of the Constitution. Right. And it's because the liberal left wanted to have their own personal army that they at some point and bear in mind, like Biden has as much as stated this. That they could use against their political opponents. I mean, remember when Biden talks about uh, like assault weapons bans? Yeah. He flat out says, oh, I'd love to hear it when people say that, you know, they, they needed to take on the government. I'd like to see you take on a tank. Which, I, I mean, I'd like I, to see I, me take on a tank too. Yeah. Because I wouldn't do it with an AR-15, that's for sure. <laughs> but like at the same time, I mean, that's... 
that is obviously a signal from, you know, Joe Biden that it's like, oh, no, if if I want to take your guns away, I'm going to send the military after you. Also, it's a admission that the entire point of taking the guns away is to make you less militarily effective against tyranny. Right. <laughs> it's weird. It's like they're proving our point. I, I would just like to add, mm-hmm. for no particular reason, and we still have no details on exactly how this happened, but 60,000 tons of ammonium nitrate fertilizer uh, was stolen off of a train in the last uh, month. And uh, for those that aren't unaware, ammonium nitrate is a key ingredient in, could be used as a key ingredient in making homemade explosives and notably was the primary explosive driver for the um, Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, it's why IEDs smell like cat piss. Um, I didn't know that, actually. I, I actually hadn't heard that. Um, well, yeah, that's terrifying. Thousand tons was stolen off of a train. And maybe it's just some farmer who is going to use it as fertilizer on the cheap. But the worry would be that it appears somewhere um, making a very large bang. Yeah. I, okay. Like, well, let's let's play the game. False flag. What do you think? Hard to say. I mean, it, until we have details about how or where it disappeared to, I hard to know. Sixty thousand ton, sixty thousand pounds is a lot. I didn't, it's like one van full was the Oklahoma City bombing. So that mm-hmm. quantity is a would be. That you you would you would use it for multiple attacks if you had that quantity of ammonium nitrate and were planning to use it in bomb making. Well, that's not uh, that's not comforting. <laughs> well, thank thanks. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna have to like think about that regularly. And any t- any time I see anything even slightly strange, I'm gonna be like, okay, here we go. Um. Before I get into false flags, because there is a false flag I want to talk about, um, sticking to the whole like weird pride stuff. Uh, for those of you who haven't really been tracking, Target shares have dropped. Target has lost thirteen point eight billion dollars uh, in stock because of pushback and protests regarding their direct targeting of children. Uh, when it comes to pride, specifically kid pride clothes, I mean, pride based onesies and all sorts of nonsense. And they're not, obviously they're not the only one, you know, like people saw Anheuser-Busch get completely, you know, shellacked, uh, because of the Dylan Mulvaney, uh, advertisements. The long story short here is the market in a sense is pushing back. They are pushing back against, a lot of this woke agenda and this transgender nonsense, especially. But one of the things I want to highlight and do not misunderstand this as being me being supportive or making excuses whatsoever for Target or any of the companies involved. People need to understand that this is all extortion. And let me explain. Back in 2020, I know we talked about it on this show, but one of the weird things that came out of the George Floyd riots and all the BLM activity during 2020 was that they would start these protests at Target stores and 
they would, I don't know a better way to say this, target target for looting. A lot of the videos you saw on the internet were target stores getting looted and then getting destroyed and smashed by Black Lives Matter protesters. And I know this, uh, I started looking into this specifically because in my town, uh, it was a failed attempt and nobody did anything, but they tried to have a Black Lives Matter protest here and they were going to have it right outside the Target store. And I was like, why are they always doing it out front of a Target? Like I keep seeing videos. So I asked someone and they explained to me that Target donated a lot of money to different law enforcement charities. And so um, that is one of the reasons why they were targeted by BLM was because they had some uh, long ongoing, um, their community funding back is something that they, that they push out to um, police organizations. So they, uh, they would fund police foundations and offers additional funding to local agencies through its public safety grant program. So that was, that was one of the, that was one of the reasons why they were targeted by BLM. Well, now that probably means that after the George Floyd riots, their ESG score went down. So they have to do something to be able to get access to capital in a market that's dominated by ESG. So what do you do? You create a controversy with your pride display. Your ESG score goes up. Now your stock options go down. So the question has to be, is this good marketing or bad marketing? Because what people don't understand about the uh, ESG score is it's, what is it? Equity, sustainability, and governance is what ESG stands for. So you have to show shit libs that you're following diversity, equity, and inclusion. You have to show shit libs that you're uh, doing all the green energy nonsense. And you have to show shit libs that you're following, quote, governance guidelines dictated by the globalist left. So... What that score dictates is your, think of it like, just like your credit score at home. These ESG scores are used to qualify you for financing. So much like a credit score is for you to get a credit card or a bank loan, it's the same thing. And this is everything from how diverse is your board of directors that can lower your score. Now, there are some things that are decent about it, like do you use child labor? That's part of something that does actually affect an ESG score negatively. But you see, you can make up for things like using child labor by releasing some sort of gay nonsense. For example, that's exactly what Oreo did. You see, Oreo cookies is made with chocolate from a company called Mondelez. Mondelez has been being investigated because they use child slave labor in South America to produce their chocolate. 
Well, they, you know, to make up for the fact that they used child slave labor in South America to produce their chocolate, they released gay Oreos and that probably balanced it out. I'll take a pause for Alan to say anything if he wants. Gay Oreos, huh? That's very exciting. Yeah, well, they do that. They, they, this was uh, a, a couple of years ago uh, that keyed me on to it when for like zero reason, there was just suddenly like a rainbow Oreo. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, why do why like why do my Oreos need to be gay? And because I knew about like the Nike stuff with Kaepernick and everything, how it always had to do with something else, I ended up looking into it and saw uh, that Mondelez, the chocolate company that provides chocolate to Nabisco and Oreos, um, was being investigated for child slave labor. And it's like, oh, and now that you look at ESG, you realize that these are things that actually get factored in. So point is, by the way, big surprise, all of these ESG scores, which are which capture companies as have as becoming they have to do all of these gay things in order to get access to financial institutions that is all being driven by who else but the world economic forum and companies like blackrock yeah there's a um here's here's a quick audio clip of larry fink explaining that's blackrock ceo larry fink explaining why de and i which is one of the now you have to understand blackrock and vanguard i'm sorry oh no god yeah blackrock and vanguard are giant financial institutions and they are to put them in uh reference they are the preferred financial institutions of the united states federal reserve bank these aren't just banks these are the banks banks. These are the like when we say the global banking cartel, it is Vanguard, BlackRock and a couple other associated shadowy companies that handle hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars globally worldwide. Yeah. And the problem that you run into is, I mean, this this has a very serious effect. For example, if you have a 401k, it is entirely possible that Vanguard or BlackRock handles your 401k. They have if, access. If not directly, and, mm-hmm. if, and if not directly through intermediaries, they Vanguard and BlackRock probably has a, a finger, uh, you know, has a tendril into the banks that handle all of those things. Right. So let, let's, let's play a clip of exactly how someone like Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, feels about DE&I and the point... The point of ESG and DEI uh, in companies. It's just, it, you have to force behaviors. And if you don't force behaviors, whether it's gender or race or just any way you want to say the composition of your team, you're going to be impacted. And that's not just not recruiting, it is development, as Ken said. How do you force change, though? I mean, Larry, BlackRock has, has really been in the forefront of the ESG movement within, within corporate governance and a real leader, and yet change is so slow. So what is, uh, and, and Ken as well, what, what, how do you force change when it is so incremental and so gradual? Um, how do you do something more radical? Have you thought about that? Has the board of American Express thought about more radical things we could do to enhance diversity and inclusion? Because it has to be imbued in the culture of a firm. It has to be talked about, it has to be shown. Behaviors across the entire firm in every region have to be similar. 
And every citizen of the firm has to understand what is acceptable behaviors and what are unacceptable behaviors. I, I, I have to ask, Alan, it's there, just, there's, yeah. there's a phrase um, that I that really, really, really bothered me in that entire thing. But I'm going to ask you, is there anything in particular that stood out on that that you just couldn't stand? Well, a lot of things. It's okay. interesting how he talks about the firm as yes. if it was some real, as if it was some geopolitical entity. The, the citizen, every citizen of the firm. Who, yeah. the, who the fuck talks like this? What? What does that even mean? Every citizen of the firm? Oh, so you think that the firm, the the corporate firm, is, is a government? Is a, is a nation? Well, is, a, is a sovereign geopolitical entity that can go up against other sovereign geopolitical entities and the thing is he's not necessarily wrong to say it that way yeah it's it, it that was i thought that that was alarming every citizen of the firm i was like people don't talk like this who what mm-hmm. you're an employee yeah you know a member perhaps a partner depending on on where you sit in the um corporate hierarchy but a citizen of the firm like that's creepy. That's dystopian stuff that it used to be in like the 80s and 90s. That was supposed to be how Republicans were going to shape the world. Is everyone was going to be, right. you know, basically be owned by by corporate interests. And they'd all be warring amongst each other in some sort of dystopian nightmare where art wasn't allowed. Um yeah, no, th- this is this is straight out of a bunch of science fiction where it's like in the future it'll be mega corporations. It, it's a it's 80s sci-fi. Yeah. It's like it's mega corporations going to war with other mega corporations over economics and but the, the reality is that is kind of what is happening. I mean, right. you can make a claim a big portion for the whole war in Ukraine and the whole drive to get Ukraine into NATO is basically so that the West, aka the, the central bankers of the West, Vanguard and BlackRock could capture and control the natural gas the natural gas supplies to europe and the rest of the world by extension right no and and, i mean people can call it a conspiracy but we're at the point now where it's uh you have to prove us wrong because we have their words i mean understand what larry fink was saying what's the entire point of what he is doing well it's to force it to force change it is force and understand like of course, like one of the biggest one of the biggest things in the most insidious aspects of the left is the fact that they will take something that conservatives, right wingers, just regular Americans honestly support and they will figure out a way to weaponize it against you and they're doing it with the free market. They got these giant Uh, financial corporations and trading firms like Vanguard and BlackRock to suddenly swoop in and decide we're going to push a bunch of shit liberty and we're going to do it through, at the end of the day, extortion. You're either going to play ball with things that have nothing to do with selling your product, nothing to do with increasing your revenue, nothing to do with making literally anything better. 
None of this is about doing better business. Nothing about this is even about making your business better for your own employees. It's all just nonsense. And it is all dumb requirements. Well, you're going to have to have at least two female members on your board of directors. Well, we don't like it. And understand, there's not a single corporation that's banning females or gays or blacks or anyone from being on their board of directors, but they're hiring people based on their merit. No, no, no. BlackRock comes in and says, nope, you just, you have to fire people who could be completely competent, great at their jobs and could have dedicated 20 to 30 years to your organization in building and developing it, fire them. And you just need to get a black for no other reason than the fact that they're black. You need to put a woman on there for no other reason than the fact that she's a woman. That's it. You have to do it or else you're not going to get financing. Yeah. Or else we will make it impossible for your company to take, to basically get, get loans and work with big financial institutions. Yeah, it's the cost of doing business for you will skyrocket. And a lot of companies look at that and go, it's not worth it. We have to play ball with these central bankers. We have to play ball with the banking cartel or our business will become much less profitable. And and I mean, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be facetious here, but to the audience and feel free to comment if you're on the Rumble live chat, but to the audience... Did you know that when we are told that the free market exists in the United States, did you know something like this was happening? Were you aware five, 10 years ago that there were large financial institutions that were extorting every single company, basically to the extent of, if you don't do what we say, your competitors will have an immediate advantage over you, not based on anything to do with how good their product or business model is, just based entirely on whether or not they play ball with our politics. Yeah. I think most people don't really understand that. I think because it, if they did understand, well, understanding that really helps to me explain the world we live in. When you see things, why are all these companies going woke? Surely... This is not about making more profit because a lot of these things aren't profitable because even if some of your customer base likes it, clearly not enough of them do to really justify doing it. But it's like, no, it's not about your customers. It's about satisfying the banking cartel so that you can keep running your business because almost I, I believe most of these businesses run off of working with financial institutions for loans and all these other things that as how big companies do business. And it's, yeah, it's exactly why they have cap why the banking cartel has captured them like this so that they can have influence over the workings of all of these economies in this sort of shadowy way to push their new world order nonsense. Yeah, there's some something that um not not talking down to anybody on the audience, but just for those those people who who may or may not understand. Um especially when you're a larger business, if you really want to try to expand, um, you know, you want to build some new buildings, you want to expand a new product, you want to do some research and development, whatever. If you want to be competitive in the market, um, a lot of times that just comes down to, we need like literally like $60 million right now 
to get all of this stuff out to get this product to market, but we anticipate that we're going to make uh, 65 million or 70 million or what yeah. have you. This is just how businesses work. Like if you take the time, as, as crazy as this may sound, if you take the time to try to save up that 60 million, you'll be so far behind your competition that you just you will not you will no longer be relevant. So right, right. companies just need, you to, need borrow to do this large amounts of money yeah. uh, to be able to keep going. And right. that is exactly where the left realized that there was a pain point and a vulnerability that they could then exploit to uh, basically weaponize capitalism into shooting itself in the foot, like tying its own noose and jumping out a window. Yeah. Woke capital is just merely the newest method. Uh, woke capital is, is it's, it's the newest method of Marxism. In, in in all reality, I I know people like to throw Marxism around for everything. It really is Marxism because it is a governing authority that is telling you not not anything about what you sell or or how you market or or well not how you market. What I mean is like what you sell, how your product is made, not some sort of regulation aspect of it, you know, making sure it's safe and not full of lead paint or something like that. No, no, no. It is literally saying this is how you have to think. You have to think this way. You have to tell your customers to think this way to buy your product. Yeah, it's essentially, it's social engineering. Yeah. Now, a real great way to kind of cap this subject off is there were some, uh, there were a lot of conservative commentators that got very upset this week because people are pushing for a boycott of Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, there's a lot of the, especially the religious right that came running out and were like, oh my God, don't boycott Chick-fil-A. They love Jesus. They talk about God and stuff. Like, please no. Well, the reason why they're doing it is because Chick-fil-A just hired a DE&I person. Yep. They had a position open for a diversity, equity, and inclusion position. And of course, I think... Um, one of the big uh, one one of the big immediate questions that everybody had is why are they doing this? Like, why why are they coming in? Why are they doing this? Like, what's going on? And the reality is, it's probably based on on ESG. Now, Chick Fil A is not. The thing is, this all mm -hmm. is, this is not simply from a banking perspective. There also are. The U.S. government also mandates certain things. So it could be even they're satisfying the U.S. government requirement to host, host a D if they have to have a DE&I person because their company is large enough that it now falls under certain federal regulations. No, yeah, very true. There's a lot of reasons because they're not a publicly traded company, but they still have to be financed. You know, yeah. they still have to get financing. They still have to meet certain regulations. There's a lot of reasons why this could happen. What I can tell you right now is, like, do I think Chick-fil-A, the company, wants to be woke? No, I don't. But they're being mm -hmm. forced to be. Now, here's the problem I have. Is a lot of conservative commentators 
immediately said, oh my God, don't boycott Chick-fil-A. Don't do it. Don't do it. They're, they're good people. You know, they're, they're very dedicated to God. They openly talk about it. But at a certain point, like I, I, I get it. Yeah. But then I don't because, okay, if we don't push back here, then when will we do it? When, when is it okay for us to push back against ESG and all this nonsense? If we don't make it marketably painful, for people to go along with this nonsense, how do we win? Because we still might not even win with Target losing right. billions of dollars, with Anheuser-Busch lose, losing billions of dollars. It's still very difficult to be able to show the path forward because mm-hmm. what we're hoping here to explain it is that for publicly traded companies primarily, that the stockholders are going to look at this and be like, don't do woke shit because we lose billions. Don't do that. It's basically going woke is a a violation of your fiduciary responsibility. The legal requirement that your entire purpose as a member of the board of directors is to increase shareholder value. That is what a fiduciary responsibility is. And when you lose $13 billion like Target did, you're not doing a good job Increasing shareholder mm-hmm. value, but the, the converse, worry would be mm-hmm. that someone could claim, well, even that the what we are losing in revenue because of customer boycotts by doing things that are extremely unpopular with our customer base, that is costing us less money than if the central banking central bankers if we got captured their ire by not going along with their new world order schemes, that would cost us more money than we're going to lose in boycotts. Well, and that's exactly it. That, that was the point is that you have to look at it as a cost benefit analysis, because like I mentioned, uh, stockholders getting upset over the fiduciary responsibility of the board of directors. Well, guess what happens if you're like, I don't want to do this woke shit. And then your stockholders are like, you're not incre- you could have gotten a better interest rate on all of these loans and increased shareholder value by 4%. You chose not to just because you didn't want to have a DE&I officer and you didn't want to put a rainbow flag on, on our logo on Twitter. Um, right. You violated your fiduciary responsibility. Yeah. And, and they, would be not, they would not necessarily be wrong in making that claim. No. no they, yeah. They wouldn't be wrong at all. It would absolutely mm-hmm. hold up to all legal scrutiny. Right. So and so I guess my point when we talk about these things is to for people to recognize this is what we are truly up against. No matter how unpopular these things are, no matter how much normal people dislike it, no matter how much even people in companies dislike these things and don't go along with the social engineering transformation of the world, the great reset as the World Economic Forum and BlackRock says, no matter how much we dislike it because they have so much deep control over the, econ- the economies of the West, it is almost impossible for us to extricate ourselves from their schemes without ex- suffering an extreme amount of pain that will, I mean, we would have to basically crash the U.S. economy in order to get away from this stuff. So it's it's like Chick-fil-A, did they want to hire a DEI person? Probably not, but they probably looked and said, will we have to? And now, th- I mean, and what else coming in the future are going to be forced on them and well if we we will be crushed by a low esg score if we continue to claim we are a christian company 
That's exactly my, so that, that was my, my bother. I'll focus primarily on uh, Eric Erickson because he was upset and was on Twitter basically like kind of just pulling the like, oh my God, don't be stupid conservatives, like stop boycotting Chick-fil-A. They're this great Christian company um, just because they hired a DEI person. But it's like, dude, they're right. doing this for an ESG score. Are you so stupid as to think it's going to stop there? Because for I, I, I think a lot of our audience probably knows, but maybe they don't. Liberals hate Chick-fil-A for one of the dumbest reasons on the planet. Liberals They're not open on Sunday. Well, there's there's that, but liberals regularly will protest Chick-fil-A. If they try to open in a uh, on a college campus, all the shit libs will get together and protest Chick-fil-A because they don't want it to be open. Right. Um yes, part of it's because they're not open on Sunday, part of it's because they're a Christian company. No, the... it's because it's because they look at Chick-fil-A and see these people are these people are on the other team. Well, That's pretty much the entirety of the liberal view on things. Like, are you on their team or are you on the other team? And if you're on the other team, it doesn't matter. They'll find a reason to hate and denigrate and object. The reason that the left will give when they go after Chick-fil-A to include, you know, if, if uh, Chick-fil-A wants to build a uh, new store somewhere, Mm-hmm. There will be liberals that will show up at like the town meeting and talk about not supporting hateful corporations. Well, why is that? Because 10 years ago, maybe longer, was it 2023 longer over 10 years ago when um California was getting ready to vote on the legalization of gay marriage known as Proposition 8. Mm-hmm. The CEO of Chick-fil-A donated money to groups that were not, uh, so it was 2008. It was that long ago. Damn. In Mm -hmm. 2008, the CEO donated money um, to support uh, groups that were standing against Proposition 8 in California. That's it. That's, That's all it. necessary. All they need. And and understand, like, he donated his personal money, as far as I'm aware. Like, this wasn't a corporate thing at all. This was this guy donated to a thing that made liberals angry. And ever since 2008, they have tried to destroy his corporation. And now they found a way because he was successful. He was successful against all attempts to destroy his corporation. They now found a way in. Exactly. Standing against the gay marriage bill proved that he and thus his business were on the bad guy team. Right. And so liberals immediately were like, well, that guy can't win. We have to do whatever we can to stop that guy from winning because he's on the bad guy team. And any bad guy team win is a a win for team bad guy. And we can't allow that. (laughs) I do. I do very much enjoy it. It's just win for team bad guy. Um, It's literally it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is that simple. It's. It it sounds childish because it is. <laughs> exactly. Um, <clears throat> but the point that I was making is like, I, I get it where you get certain people like Eric Erickson saying like, oh my God, like don't, 
I'm going to be honest with you. It, it pisses me off because I know exactly in his own head how he's phrasing it. Oh, my God, conservatives, please don't be the dumb hillbillies that I think you are. No, no. The mm-hmm. dumb hillbillies that the left thinks you are that I feel ashamed of. Yeah. And start protesting uh, Chick-fil-A over this. Like, please, God, no. But at the same time, it's like. Well, then how does it stop? So we just, what, roll over and accept it? We just go, well, it's because of ESG and Vanguard and BlackRock and the World Economic Forum. But gosh, at least they talk about Jesus for now. Yeah, that's that would be his answer. Because the, I think the core focus of the vast majority of treasonous conservative commentators <laughs> is I don't want to be forced to feel ashamed by people on the left. Well, I want to remind people of something. Well, yes. So, yeah, 100% that. I, I, I want to still be able to go to the country club and cocktail parties and not have to look at my shoes. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I want to remind everybody that we have actually come a long way in about the last five to seven years. Because when we first started this program, I remember having to go through the arguments of people like Ben Shapiro and other like large thought leaders on the right that were saying boycotts are dumb, don't do it, it's what liberals do. Mm-hmm. And I remember giving a whole rundown on how voting with your dollar is the only power you have, and anyone who is telling you not to is an idiot who wants to lose. Yeah. So I will say we've come a long way because now all those dumb free market idiots who basically like to lose on principle um are having to go back to okay maybe we don't maybe we don't boycott that one <laughs> as opposed to don't boycott at all so i guess that's a positive move in in the right direction see um and, and to be fair like i i don't i don't want it always to be doom and gloom 13 billion dollars down in target stock something like 20 something billion down in stock on anheuser busch there is yeah. a message being sent now Is it one of the things like if we want to be just completely honest about it, is this going to be an easy battle? No. Is there something that you can do personally to help a little bit, just a little bit to be completely honest? And a lot of that is what people are already doing that is affecting this this market trend because that is going to be somewhat eye opening. And it's going to have to cause a, a cost-benefit analysis of is getting that better uh, ESG score worth potentially losing billions of dollars in stock? Yeah, you know, checkbox yes or no. Yeah. Now that doesn't make it easy because this is one hell of a Goliath that you have to fight against. So what is one of the other things that you can do? Well, aside from voting with your own dollar, this is something we need to start putting pressure on our elected representatives to get involved with. And what I mean by that is this actually is not being talked about a lot by any politician. They'll talk about wokeness, which is great. Mm -hmm. They'll mention ESG sometimes and basically call it dumb. Okay. But what are you doing about it? And by the way, there is not any conservative case at least I believe, to support ESG because there is absolutely going to be a group of people that are going to be like, 
Vanguard and BlackRock have every right to say, to say and do whatever they want because free market, ran ran ran. But it's it's not a free market. They are in inherently not making the market free. Anything right. that gets in the way of companies not like extorting companies to do political things and social things that have absolutely nothing to do with selling their product and providing their service and whatever is not free market. It is just because it's not a government doesn't suddenly make it okay. And conservatives need to get that shit through their head. This is where conservatism in the United States continually falls on its face is they have not evolved to the tactics of the left and are still sitting there in the 1950s thinking of, well, if the government's not doing it, it's not a big deal. Or or it's not yeah. our place to say because good freedom is us, is like we as the government can't tell corporations what to do because that's anti-free market. And it's like, okay, but what if that... That's cute. What if that company is literally doing everything it can to make the market not free? Because understand... In a socialist society, Anheuser-Busch will do just fine because all of their competitors won't be able to exist. Right. So there's not exactly a driving factor against this. The idea that mid, small to mid-sized businesses get completely destroyed by government regulation and large financial companies putting all this pressure on them for like, S, uh, sorry, ESG nonsense all that does is actually just destroy the ability for smaller companies to compete. Of course. Of course it does. That, that's the entire intent. And I think a lot of people understand that. Yeah, a lot of – but somehow – well, I think a lot of people understand it as well. But for some reason, politicians aren't addressing it. Well, politicians and, are probably also collecting a lot of money from groups like BlackRock and Vanguard right. to intentionally and, not address it. And and this needs to be – this is where the change needs to happen, and this is where a, a large amount of the fight needs to come from. It, it very much needs to start being a uh, – lack of a better term, there needs to be, in a sense, a loyalty pledge. What are you going to do? To stop people, groups like Vanguard, BlackRock, and the World Economic Forum from influencing businesses via ESG scores. What are you going to do as a senator, as a, as a member of Congress, or whatever? What are you going to do to stop the manipulation of the market? Right. And, and it needs yeah. to be something. And I think a lot of people... Okay, so as evidenced by the pushback against Anheuser-Busch... And Target, which seems to be very grassroots and just normal people say, you know what, I'm not going to buy your product. Mm -hmm. I think that's very promising because what a, a lot of those people saw, I think the reason why these boycotts started happening was people saw, oh, you're not on my team. Budweiser put a tranny on their cans and people went, oh, I see, you're on the other, you're on the enemy team. Target started doing all this pride stuff aimed at kids and people went, oh, you're on the enemy team. I think that is a very healthy and good development that conservatives are finally starting to look at things and going, ah, all of this is basically our team versus their team. 
and I need to support my friends and punish my enemies. And people who signal they are on the enemy team deserve my ire and punishment and cannot be supported. I think that is the only way we're going to get that. That's the only way forward is for people to become much more tribal about their spending decisions, about their personal habits, about their life choices, because in the end of the day, we are all in this together against them. And that's the, that's, I think what gives me a lot of hope is that enough people on a grassroots level rec- are beginning to recognize that and taking actions about it. There wasn't a co- I didn't certainly didn't get a memo from the Republican Party saying today we're bo- boycotting Budweiser. It was Budweiser signaled where their allegiance truly lied and people said, "Ah, you can go screw yourselves." <laughs> no, and yeah. I think it- that needs to happen everywhere all the time for everything. Yeah, no, and yeah, you're exactly right. And you know, at, at, at the end of the day, it's just like, you can push back a little bit here and there. Like we, we need to hold politicians accountable. Now, one of the other things that you can do is buy from small businesses that aren't going to be ever subject to at least, at least for some things, like not everything. Like we know you can't, um, it's, it's not possible for certain aspects of, of your life, but you know, buy some small things from like smaller companies that, you know, share your values do everything that you can. And there's a lot of different sites yeah. that can guide you to it and different things. I believe like parallel economy is a site I've, to be fair, I've never actually looked at it. That's supposed to be like a list of, you know, conservative, uh, supporting businesses. But at the end of the day, just go smaller. You know, um, this isn't as a field of protest, but I'm, I'm going to do like the, the little, kind of push here is like, I now my buddy started a coffee company cause he wanted to, that's now just where I get my coffee from mm-hmm. and something small like that can make a huge difference. First of all, you're supporting a small business of, you know, probably people just like you, which is always great. But at the second time, it, you know, at, at, on the second part, like if people start doing that, it has a major effect. It's not like people aren't shopping at Target. There's just enough of a percentage of people not shopping at, you know, like who just decided they're not going to do it. That over the last few weeks, it equaled billions of dollars. And all it took was, huh. ah, I'm not going to go pick that up there. I'm going to go over there. These things have a dramatic effect. So I want people to know that you can have an effect, but I also want to give you the options of what else you can do. And that's Mm -hmm. a big part of it. Now, when it comes to Chick-fil-A, I don't know what to tell y'all. It needs to be voiced. Like, yeah, I get it. People are still going to want to, you know, sponsor that company because to be fair, it pisses the liberals off and that makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, say again. And it's good. No, it is good. Yeah. Well, that, that is the other thing too. It is actually legitimately good. Um, at the same time though, like we need, it's, it's only a matter of time. If Chick-fil-A has to go down this road that they are going to end up having to all of the reasons why conservatives are saying that we shouldn't boycott them and support them. They're going to have to, um, bend the knee on because the liberals want to destroy them. And so at the end of the day, liberals are going to destroy Chick-fil-A if they keep giving them the power to do so. It is what it is. 
But you all should bring it up. That's something that you should focus on with your friends, you know, talking about it and just figure out ways again. At the end of the day, we have to figure out how we're going to win this. It is a mm -hmm. hell of a, a major cancer throughout this country. It is, I right. think, one of the most important battles that we will fight when it comes to getting rid of the woke progressive left in this country. Right. With that being said, there's lots of other stuff. There's, there's a lot of stuff. So much. Um, before I get into some of the crazy stuff that's been happening on Twitter and with the primaries and all of this, I want to talk a little bit about Joe Biden getting sandbagged. Um, I don't want to bore the audience with this, but I, I, I have to. Like, I can't not say it. I was alive so long ago. I, I'm so old that I remember Donald Trump walking weird down a ramp resulted in members of Congress demanding 20, the 25th Amendment proceedings to have Donald Trump removed from office. I'm so old, I remember that. But when Joe Biden can't string together a sentence or walk across a stage, what does the media do? The same thing that they do for everything involving Joe Biden. Nothing is Joe Biden's fault. Now, do I care that a politician tripped over something? No. I always think it's dumb when the, when that's supposed to be used as some sort of like judgment call. People have accidents. It happens. The difference is, is that Joe Biden is not physically or mentally well. And everyone in this country knows it. And everyone in this country knows the media and the left are covering it up. Yeah. And the, que the, the real question that we have to ask here is, how much longer are we supposed to allow liberals to play in this fantasy land before we truly start fighting and pushing back against the lie? Because... Right. There's no way that this doesn't cause lasting psychological damage to the United States where like we're supposed to pretend like we are going to be able to have some sort of comedy with the left in this country when they will stare us in the face and say there's nothing wrong with Joe Biden. Yeah, that's impossible. Like when there's discussions about national divorce and the left gets all upset because the right is talking about a national divorce and that's just so awful and anti-democratic and blah, blah, blah. It's the left's fault. The whole reason why, why anyone would be discussing a national divorce at all in this country is because the left has decided that they are going to perpetually lie to the American people near constantly and basically challenge us to call them out on it and then call us terrorists when we do. Right. Yeah. It's just complete insanity to me, but it's something I had to bring up. I know a lot of people have already seen the juxtaposition of, you know, remembering Trump getting called out, but the question, I guess, well, here's, here's the bigger question is, do we think that the Democrats, because Joe Biden, honestly, in polling and, and public opinion and everything else, is he is the worst rated president 
Every basically ever since he's been in office, he has gotten the worst approval ratings of any president at that time in their presidency. And just to give you an idea, that includes Donald Trump. He is not well liked by the majority of Americans. Is the Democrat sure. Party going to find a reason to get rid of old Uncle Joe? Now, why do I ask that? It finally came out. We we talked about it um, on an older show where we discussed a uh, we 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 discussed a memo, or sorry, it was a it's actually a uh, document that the FBI had, which is a um, confidential human source document, meaning that the FBI talked to someone who had some sort of information for law enforcement and was working as a confidential human source for the FBI. And in this investigation, they said that they knew about criminal activity or had heard about criminal activity being conducted by Joe Biden. And a an FBI whistleblower went to Republicans in Congress and said, hey, like, I know about this document that exists and basically the FBI has covered it up. The FBI is not, has not done anything, has not investigated this claim, none of this. And so the Republicans in Congress were like, well, we got to look into this. And so they requested a copy of that form. And the FBI came back and said, yeah, that form exists. And no, we're not going to give it to you. And obviously this resulted in a whole lot of, uh, you know, anger and pushing and pushbacks. Well, finally, uh, it was Comer. Uh, I believe it was um, Re Representative Comer said that as of Friday, Christopher FBI Director Christopher Ray needed to provide Congress with the form that was requested or he would face contempt of Congress. Now, what was interesting was I didn't think that that was going to go anywhere because to be completely honest, that would have to be prosecuted by, uh, uh, by the DOJ, by Biden's DOJ. So I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. Sure. But it turns out it did. They finally relented and they, uh, Christopher Ray from the FBI delivered the confidential human source form to the uh, Republican Oversight Committee. Well, it turns out, we haven't gotten all the details on the investigation yet, but it turns out that what was being outlined in this, uh, in this form is supposedly Joe Biden, while vice president, was engaged in a bribery scheme with a foreign national where he was paid $5 million to change policy. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds pretty not surprising to me, especially because we've got Joe Biden literally saying that he withheld billions of dollars in aid to Ukraine until they fired the prosecutor who was investigating his son. We also know right. that somehow Joe Biden is a multimillionaire and his family are multimillionaires with 
basically no real jobs. Yeah. So duh. But at the same time, this now allows the Republican House to impanel a special counsel and investigate Joe Biden, investigate this potential bribery scheme, because this is 100% an impeachable offense. So the question now is, well, I guess the first question is, Alan, do you think the GOP will do it? No, I don't. And why not? So there's two reasons. So there could be a politically pragmatic reason of they, if they impeach Joe Biden over something that is absolutely impeachable, they might have a different candidate to run against in 2024. And the GOP might prefer that Joe Biden be the candidate in 2024 because it would be easier to win against. That's a very good reason. Alternatively, I think even if that wasn't the reason the GOP would not impeach Joe Biden because they think it would be icky and mean. And they have not shown that they have the backbone to proceed with such things. Impeaching presidents for corruption is what the left does. Exactly. (laughs) Democrats are the real racists. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that mentality is what allows the left to operate with impunity and prevents the right from taking what is absolutely reasonable and reasonable responses that we actually have at our fingertips. We could put a stop to a lot of these things if the GOP would actually play like it was trying to win. It, it, okay, why, why do you think they don't? I think because a lot of them, honestly, are probably equally as corrupt and don't want to ruin the game that they're all playing. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's as good a guess as any. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times, too, they're just easily tricked. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think we give a lo- like way too much credit to our elected representatives and thinking that they all must be really intelligent. In reality, a lot of them are dumb. A lot of them just listen to what some idiot graduate from Georgetown, some college kid who's working uh, as a staffer, which, by the way, is like not... You know, like there, there's no political litmus test or anything for their staffers. They could be absolute shit libs and they'll just be like, mm-hmm. oh, sir, the New York Times said such and such. And they go, well, the New York Times, that's the most read paper in America. They wouldn't lie. And then they just go along with it because they're stupid. That, potentially, yeah. But at the same time, yeah. Like, could there be wide scale corruption that they don't also don't want to have revealed? Absolutely. Well, certainly a good, you know what a good way to prove to us that it's not because they're also in the uh, corruption scheme. Hmm. Prosecuting Joe Biden for his corruption. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Weird. (laughs) Well, now I'll ask this question because this will get me into the craziness that's been on Twitter. Um, I'm going to ask if you agree uh, with a certain statement uh, made by one of uh, Trump's most vocal uh, supporters, Laura Loomer, um, who I've had some very interesting, um, I've read some very interesting things from recently. Uh, Laura Loomer has decided that uh, that this is one of the things that she uh, says. 
Uh, GOP voters are openly revolting against the party and their play nice Reagan rule nonsense that's been used as a tool to enslave all of us for decades. I'm really enjoying watching the party burn. It's been a long time coming. From the ashes, something better will rise. Now, at the same time, I want to also... Uh, put this in context to another tweet that she had, which is like, I've been saying for a long time, the Republican party is worse than the Democrat party because there's no such thing as a Democrat who is a Republican, but there are many Republicans who are Democrats. I want Trump to permanently fracture the GOP so we can stop pretending like the GOP is even on our side. I want the party to collapse so we can have something better, something America first. Any initial thoughts? Yeah. Uh, it sounds, I mean, it sounds kind of good. Yeah, like, this is this is my issue. I understand where somebody like Laura Loomer's coming from in the idea that, like, sure. Um, except I would really phrase it as, I would like to see a continuation of the GOP's reform. Because I'm going to have to add a little bit of context here. Um, Laura Loomer, when she talks about the party burning, she doesn't necessarily, in some ways she does, but she doesn't necessarily mean getting rid of, like, the shittiest people in the party. She means, mm -hmm. like, Ron DeSantis. Because her primary target right now is Ron DeSantis. And... People like that, the other opponents of Trump in the primary and all the infighting that's happening because there are opponents to Trump in the primary, mainly Ron DeSantis. So when she talks about the party burning, she, to me, my concern is that she's signaling if Donald Trump doesn't win the primary, that they will do everything in their power to destroy and fracture the GOP, ensuring ensuring a victory of Joe Biden. Basically, if I can't have it, mm. no one can. And that's my concern. But what but why would they do that though? I don't know, but I I know I shared a lot of what I've been seeing kind of in this primary battle on Twitter with you, Alan. I I don't I don't know. I'll I'll it seems incredibly bizarre to me, and it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why people like Laura Loomer and all of these supposed Trump, quote, influencers mm -hmm. are focusing so heavily on this anti-DeSantis infighting with Trump message because it seems so unhelpful and counterproductive. It's like If you just showed me these things, I would say, well, clearly all these people are controlled opposition because they're manufacturing a crisis to scare voters when no conflict necessarily needs to exist and it's going to be counterproductive in the long run because mm -hmm. if DeSantis wins the primary then you have a bunch of Trump voters that will be angry and upset it if this Trump wins the primary you'll have a bunch of DeSantis people that will be bitter and upset and it almost seems like these people's goal is to try and throw the election when they know that some rep that rep the Republicans have a huge advantage over Joe Biden because the Democrats are burning the country to the ground and selling it off to the highest bidder. Yeah. But it, it, 
that's that's my first reaction because the this contrived fight between Trump and DeSantis makes no sense. And if Trump is behind it, then that even that's baffling to me. I would not understand. I don't know who's advising him that that's a good idea. And if it's his idea, then the man's definitely not fit to be president. I I don't know. I don't understand it at all. Yeah, I, I guess what what I'll do is um, I'll just I'll just flat out explain it to to the audience here so they sort of understand where I'm coming from. I am a massive fan of the idea of what I like to call Trump's revenge term or mm-hmm. Trump part two electric boogaloo. Like, right. I would love to see Donald Trump get elected president and just no holds bar burn the deep state to the ground. Yeah, love to like see everybody it. in the FBI gets fired. The ATF gets gutted. It's like you could, and an executive could do this probably without needing Congress. A chief executive could take a lot of steps to completely cripple the deep state. Pass, shoot, pass, put a, put forth a bunch of executive orders and demand, you know, put the onus on Congress. Are you going to stop the, stop me from doing these executive orders to gut the deep state? like completely reform the FBI, fire all these people. You could do that as the executive if you had the guts. And I would hope that, I mean, the the hope here is Trump is so spurned by what happened to him, the way we all were screwed out of a second Trump presidency and the way that his first term was so thoroughly subverted by people within the government that hopefully he would come in with this slash and burn mentality to destroy all of these things that keep the country from aligning with the political will of the people. Right. The worry is that he actually is not going to do that and is himself now, by now, thoroughly compromised. I don't know. It's hard to know anymore. Well, the annoying thing for me is, like, I want to see that. You know, Mm -hmm. like like I said, I I, I want to see... I think that would be a very good thing for the country if... The U.S. intelligence community, defense community, if all of these things that keep the political will of the people from being expressed were to be ripped out by their roots, it would be a very good thing for the U.S., the future of the United States. Right. And my 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 biggest and primary concern. Um, well, anyway, no. Uh, so so my my problem was was this, like, I want to see it. I was I'm excited to see it. Donald Trump's communication staff, the people that he has on Twitter, either that he is paying or that are just the hangers on that aren't getting paid, are actually pushing me away so hard from Trump. And it's not because of necessarily Trump specifically, although there is a little bit of it. It is the lying. It is so absolutely disrespectful because here's the thing. There are just, there are honestly just a couple of things that I need Donald Trump to address to really secure my vote when it comes to his second, you know, it comes to the primary and going into his second term as president. And that is, what are you going to do to make sure that you don't get bamboozled? By people like Dr. Fauci again. Because you were. You were. Donald Trump was bamboozled by Dr. Fauci. He was. It happened. We all saw it. We all lived through it. 
Donald Trump yeah. supports the vaccine. He thinks it's great. He thinks it's one of the greatest accomplishments of any president in the United States. He said that it's true. It happened. And even without a discussion of the merits of the vaccine, the fact that it was used to push such anti-democratic, I guess I hesitate to say illiberal, but the fact that it was used for so much coercion and forced upon people is enough that any Republican president ha has to object to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, Trump could right now be saying, well, I think the vaccine was good, like Operation Warp Speed was a huge success, but the way that the vaccine was used as a weapon to force people to comply was absolutely wrong and never part of my wishes. Right. I would understand that. We don't have to discuss whether there's a giant risk of myocarditis or infertility from the vaccine, but at least an acknowledgement that it was used to very ill effect as a tool of social compliance that is something at minimum Trump should Trump would be able to object to that with no negative blowback on himself. He could say, I supported making this thing, but then it was it got out of my hands and it was used by bad people to do bad things. That would be a good out. And he could be saying that. But instead, it's I the impression I get from Trump's comments in the last few months has been. Everything was great about my response to COVID. Everybody else was wrong. And you're just like, no, you were the president. You had, you need to take responsibility for this. And that's always been a contentious issue I've had since 2020. Well, right. And, and it's, it's one of the, it, it, instead, instead of direct, instead of showing us the respect showing us the respect of addressing our concerns even though we sat there we were still supporters we still in 2020 voted for him all of those things instead of showing us the respect of just addressing it giving us any sort of indication of like look it was unprecedented times everybody was scared i was doing the best i could but uh, you know like I, you know, the, 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 we, I was, I was lied to by the pharmaceutical companies. I was lied to by Dr. Fauci, like whatever, anything, anything like that. Just, just to, just to tell us, just, just to give us some indication that you understand that mistakes were made. Yeah. Would be great. But instead they lie their ass off. For and, and for example, one of the things the DeSantis can the DeSantis campaign brought up was that on January 19th, 2021, Donald Trump awarded presidential commendations to commendations to General Mike uh, Mark Milley, Do Dr. Deborah Burks, Dr. Anthony Fauci for their exceptional efforts on Operation Warp Speed. Right. Okay. What was the deal with that? We look these people clearly by that point had demonstrated that they were disloyal to the to the Trump presidency that they were in the pocket of Trump's political enemies and yet he still I mean clearly those the, those efforts honoring them in such a way was clearly a political move and not one that Trump could possibly have thought was legitimate and so I kind of want a little explanation for that it's like 
dude, like, are you just going to do the same thing again? Like, you clearly don't have the... Uh, I don't know. That That's my contention with Trump that I'm kind of nervous about is he doesn't seem capable of, of outmaneuvering these people in a political way. And they need to be outmaneuvered because it seems like they kind of got him. Well, and, and what's infuriating about it is there's so much like actually it's it's funny because while we're talking i just checked twitter and once again um that this is this is the kind of this is the kind of stuff uh that that gets put out by people who are pushing trump so hard so it's, it's laura loomer again but it's um so it's a subtweet of something, but it was like, oh, yeah. a- actually, or that's what it was. So somebody, uh, somebody named Alex Shepard, I don't know who this is, said, according to Christina, Christina Pasha, who's one of the communications staff of Ron DeSantis, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis publicly promoted COVID-19 vaccines more than 100 times in the first seven months of 2021. Um, and then Laura Loomer retweets that and says, uh, actually, Ron DeSantis's foreign agent, Rapid Response Director Christina Pasha, would like you all to know that he actually promoted COVID jabs more than 1,600 times. And she shared a uh, tweet from Christina Pasha from 2021. And it said, he's always been a vax pusher. Now he and the DeSantis war room are trying to re- rewrite history. Uh, okay. Huh. Donald Trump literally praised Operation Warp Speed in his town hall three fucking days ago. This is the kind of stuff that is pissing me off about Team Trump. Yeah. Like, okay, sure, sure. Could could Ron DeSantis have been bad too? Absolutely, sure. Like, except I remember him opening Florida up and I remember Donald Trump being mad about it. That happened. That really happened. Now, I'm not shilling for DeSantis. I just, I don't understand why the Trump team can't just be honest. Just address the COVID thing and put it away and move on to policy. Instead, they just want to lie to us. They just want to gaslight us and be like, well, actually, Ron DeSantis was a bigger fan of the vax and was a bigger fan of of, of, uh, lockdowns and masks and COVID. And it's like, you awarded Anthony Fauci. Isn't that weird? It's weird. To, it's real weird to me. And I don't really know where this is coming from. Like I said, it doesn't make se- This whole campaign is very bizarre and doesn't make sense from any perspective I can understand. And then, you know, to, to make matters worse, uh, there was a tweet from earlier this week where Donald Trump's communications director found a picture of a DeSantis bus outside a hotel and claimed on Twitter that it, it was that it broke down and said like, ah, yeah. oh, this is just like a DeSantis's campaign broken down. The bus was actually parked in unloading luggage. And yeah. I think the part that bothers me the most about this is it's like the Trump campaign strategy now is let's just prove all the never Trumpers right. Let's make all of our most ardent supporters question whether or not people like David French and Bill Crystal were right all along, because that's what it feels like to me. 
then this is why I say I wonder if they're controlled opposition. I wonder if it was, say, never Trumpers funding these people to make the Trump campaign look stupid, unhinged and juvenile. Yeah. Because, man, it's 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 really bugging me, but I'll get off the subject. I mean, this is my own gripe, so I, I don't know how the audience feels about it. But let us know what you think, because I had a really good conversation with someone on Twitter about it that, you know, I was able to ask a lot of questions. And they, they, they came from a very similar position where they're like, I'm a huge supporter of Trump. But everything I'm seeing right now just makes me immediately like I, I like it just it feels disrespectful and it feels like I can't trust them. Yeah. And like that is it's just remarkable. And so my recommendation to President Trump is fire your staff. And I hate to say it once again, Donald Trump has the worst hiring practices ever. He hires bad people and the good people that he did hire that maybe aren't supporting his second run for president and are supporting Donald Trump or sorry, are supporting Ron DeSantis. Trump is turning around saying that they are the worst people. They're terrible at their jobs. They were garbage. And it's like, but you hired them. Yeah. But then once again, the Trump influencers are like, eh, shut up, don't talk about that. And it's like, well, so does he hire bad people or not? Because he said that Jenna Ellis is garbage, except she was a lawyer who represented him when he was, at least for the couple of weeks that it seemed like he was actually going to fight for election integrity until he disappeared off to Mar-a-Lago and went and hit on Truth Social. Yeah, very odd. Anyway. Anyway. I'm fucking hot about it. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, should um, be. You've got an update on weird stuff that's going on in Ukraine and weapons and uh, possibly a new Fast and Furious campaign going on on the southern border. (laughs) Yes, I do. In fact, so it was reported this week that uh, anti-tank rockets that had been given to Ukraine were showing up at the cartels in Mexico. I was doing some research on that this morning, and it looks like there may have been a mistranslation in the um, reporting from Mexico. So it might that seems like they was they were potentially saying these weapons, which are the same as weapons the United States have given to Ukraine, are not necessarily ones that were given to Ukraine. That these are U.S. produced weapons that are showing um, anti tank rockets, notably AT four anti tank rockets, sort of like a bazooka, if you know what that is. These weapons are showing up in the hands of the cartels on the southern border, but they are not necessarily the same weapons that have been shipped to Ukraine. The U.S. government has produced a lot of these things. They've used them as military aid all around the globe. A bunch of countries have adopted them. I believe the Mexican army has also basically bought large stockpiles of these weapons. So initially it was reported they they were weapons the U.S. had sent to Ukraine that had been filtered to the cartels on the black weapons market. That is now in doubt. So that's why uh, we'll wait on that one to see how it's proved. Now, granted, there are weapons from Ukraine that have popped up in Eastern Europe, a bunch of places in the hands of gangs there. That's less surprising, but making the way to the southern border unconfirmed at this time. However, Business Insider did a big released a big story this week on how much money Russia has been has spent on the conflict in Ukraine. And Russia has in their special military operation by analysis by Business Insider has is spending somewhere around. billion or 3% of their GDP on the war in Ukraine. And that's certainly a very large number. 67 billions is a lot of billions. But 
What's interesting is when you compare that with the amount of money that the rest of the world is funneling into Ukraine, you get this rather interesting disparity. So the numbers on how much aid the rest of the world is giving to Ukraine are a little bit fuzzy. So there are things that track it. And so the sort of official number by the Kiel Institute for World Economy, which did looks like looking like pretty good research uh, into all the money spent, the number they have is $144 billion have been given to Ukraine by the rest of the world. Now, this is muddy. The waters in this are muddied, and it's hard to find exact numbers because there's financial aid, there's humanitarian aid, and then there's military aid. And all three together are $144 billion, with the United States contributing $75 billion, the EU contributing $55 billion, and then all the other countries making up the, the rest of the share. So $144 billion is kind of our number. The thing is, the, the rest of the world is taking the entire financial burden of, of this war, and Russia is taking the entire financial burden. So at the very minimum, just military aid alone is probably in the realm of 80 to 90 billion in comparative to what Russia is spending. So NATO and the rest of these, the world is spending billions more dollars in Ukraine than Russia is spending unilaterally. To me, this backs up what I've noticed the whole time is if you look at the Russian troop numbers in Ukraine versus the total Russian army, it seems like about 10% of the Russian military has been deployed to Ukraine. And this $67 billion figure kind of seems to back that up. And that's total expenditures, which is Again, it's a lot of billions, but it's hard to know exactly where that goes. It's like the United States, when we were in Iraq and Afghanistan, was spending something like a billion dollars a day. And it also is this interesting disparity because the all the NATO aid is costing – it's costing the West, the cumulatively, more money than it's costing the Russians. And that's – an interesting figure to me. So at, at minimum, it shows Russia's not expending that much money in this special military operation. So it means they're not actually that committed to conquering Ukraine. My point on this is for a while has been if you look at the way Russia's forces are dispositioned and how things are going, the clear, clearly Russia is deliberately holding back in Ukraine because the goals must not be conquest of Ukraine. If it was, Putin, I'm sure, could find the money, could find or borrow the money to have a to commit twice as many troops. Ooh, 20 percent of the Russian military is now involved. Ukraine is crushed. Ukraine is 100 percent of its military is committed. Russia is only at 10 percent. So clearly, if the Russians wanted to, they could massively escalate this conflict and conquer Ukraine. And I'm not going to say in a weekend, but they, the Russians have the ability to ramp up the conflict in a way that Ukraine and the West does not seem to. Secondly, I kind of want to wonder, where is all of the Western money and aid actually going? Is it that our military infrastructure is so bloated and corrupt that all everything we're providing that is not necessarily enabling any Ukrainian advance on Russian positions? And it's, I mean, there was supposed to be a Ukrainian spring offensive. And then a summer offensive. And now we're all getting excited about the fall offensive. None of this has happened. 
none of it's probably going to happen, especially as Russia has demonstrated they're increasingly able to strike targets deep in Ukraine, strike command facilities, blow up U.S. Patriot missile defense batteries. It only seems to be slowly tipping in Russia's favor, even though the West is spending drastically more money on aid to Ukraine. So where's our money going? Is our defense, like I said, is our defense industry that much more basically corrupt and full of grift and pork that we spend all this money, but we don't really get an outcome? I don't know, but clearly it shows that Russia is holding back in Ukraine and they are content to sit there and churn through the stockpiles of Western equipment, depleting them to a level that, uh, honestly, we are going to have difficulty projecting power now. I mean, the U.S. has U.S. high Mars, U.S. rocket uh, artillery rocket systems, U.S. anti-aircraft rocket systems. There's our stockpiles have been depleted because we're sending so much to Ukraine that our own troops are having a difficulty training right now. And if our plan is to be fighting Russia over Taiwan in the next 10 years, uh, I don't know. Something either our leaders are very irresponsible or something else is in the works. Right. And, and I mean, I think like obviously there's a lot of questions that could be asked here. Right. But the, the reality of it is um, <clears throat> I think that this proves just a lot of the assessments that we're seeing that are supposedly, you know, that, that are supposed to be um, conspiracy theories. And that is that yeah. like uh, we had always heard that like, oh, Russia actually wanted to take over all of Ukraine. They just failed to do it. But that's just Western media claiming that that was the intent. And yeah. then when Russia's like, yeah, we didn't have any intent of taking over Ukraine. We were just liberating Luhansk and Donetsk. They're like, well, that's what they would say because they're losing so bad. Yeah, and maybe that's true. But again, maybe what the Russians are saying is true. It's any more based on what I've seen from Western sources and especially Ukrainian sources. They have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are not being honest. And the Russian figures have proven to be a lot more reliable than Western sources. It's possible the Russians will use camp, will use propaganda and lie, and lie in their official press releases, but when fact-checked against other sources, the Russian sources have the Russian official sources have proven to be much more reliable than Western and Ukrainian ones. And right. that's a very weird place to be. It would make sense that. Russia would not be trying to conquer Ukraine because then they'll be fighting a losing long-term counterinsurgency. The areas of Ukraine that Russia ha has occupied is the area called it called Novoruskaya or New Russia that is full of ethnic Russians who have been fighting a civil war against the Ukrainian government for the past eight years. Russia does not have to deal with any sort of counterinsurgency of any great extent in those regions because those people are pro-Russia and, in fact, have been tr trying to get absorbed by the Russian Federation since they declared independence from Kiev in 2014. Real quick, um, K. Road on um, Rumble has an interesting statement that I think you're going to lose your damn mind over. Okay. Shit. She said, uh, this whole thing with Ukraine could be Russia wargaming modern military technology for future traditional warfare. 
Well, that seems interesting. I think on both sides, that's absolutely true. Well, so yes. And that's why I brought it up is not only on both sides is it absolutely true, but this is the excuse that pro-Ukrainian people use on why it's a good thing that we're at war fighting a proxy war against Russia. Yeah. Is no, actually, it's a good thing that we're doing this and spending hundreds of billions of dollars we don't have and putting ourselves into irreparable harm through national debt. Uh, we're able to test out new weapons. And it's like, you don't think Russia's doing that? Because mm-hmm. at the same time, it was, well, we're grinding down the Russian army. Okay. Uh, Lindsey Graham was in Kiev recently and boasted, boasted, we're killing lots of Russians for pennies on the dollar, which is A, kind of a gross statement yeah and second i I certainly did not vote any of these people into office on the promise of killing russians so i don't know where they're getting that from but that's something that i don't necessarily support and i don't think a lot of people would be thrilled that the government's goal is just killing russian young men that's bizarre go ahead i'm sorry no 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 yeah i mean that's that's absolutely notable um but yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it's, I think that it is very highly likely that one of the big encouragements that Russia has right now is the fact that they are watching NATO and Western countries just throw obscene amounts of money mm-hmm. at all of this, um, specifically for the, just bankrupting the United States. Why not yeah. just keep bankrupting the United States? Well, and additionally, back to the point of this is a, basically the, the whole thing is a big military weapons test. That's very true. I mean, the same thing was true of the Gulf War. Uh, I know if anybody's heard of the Highway of Death, where the, U, the Iraqi army was retreating out of Kuwait and then for three days was strafed by U.S. air power. Mm-hmm. There were orders being given during that event for uh, U.S., air bases and Navy warships to test, to quote, test out every weapon in the U.S. arsenal on the uh, stranded Iraqi uh, tank tank and truck columns. It's like the thing was a weapons test. We were going to test how our weapons did on these basically poor troops who were stranded in the desert. It's the same thing happening in Ukraine. I bet a lot of what's going on is the U.S. saying, let's test our electronic warfare on the battle, electronic warfare, our missile technology. Let's test it all in real life against actual Russian equipment. And the Russians are doing the same. Uh, For example, the Russian destruction of at least now two Patriot missile batteries has been a has been a example of the Russian modern Russian technology and tactics at play. They figure out how to defeat the Patriot missile systems. The U.S. now knows that the Patriot missile system in the field has serious limitations. This is a very informative event, or at least it should be a very informative event for Western military thinkers who I believe, because the propaganda and narrative around Ukraine is so dishonest and, quote, pro and pro-Ukrainian, I think the West is going to take away all the wrong lessons of the war in Ukraine and be at a severe disadvantage to the Russians who I think are taking very good lessons away from this. Right. So, yeah. And the problem is, is that we're never going to get to the truth of it. Like 
True. The the Western media it basically is like forced into having to lie. Yeah. Um. That's the that that's the most amazing part about it is Western media is going to have to lie because they they've they've already started they started this by lying. They told the American people that like you know it was going to be like an Avengers movie because. Um, everything's just so amazing. The Ukrainians are just so great. Oh my gosh, they're so wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. and so they're stuck. If Ukraine doesn't win, they can't tell you. Yeah. Like, and as we've said the entire time, it wasn't even a judgment call. And regardless of how people wanted to make it sound, it was just the facts of it. You know, even though we've been accused of being, you know, Putin shills and everything else under the sun, um yeah it does it 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 simply didn't it doesn't matter the numbers don't bear out mm-hmm. uh, additionally there's no way that this situation ends without either full nato intervention and thus world war three or a diplomatic solution where russia keeps the territories it's conquered right russia has officially annexed the parts of ukraine donetsk luhansk it has officially annexed those regions into the Russian state. The border of Russia, as far as Russia concerned, extends into those areas. Crimea, Donetsk, Luhansk, those areas are Russia now mm-hmm. for the Russians. Ukraine is not getting those. If Ukraine tries to get those back, Russia will mobilize a hell of a lot more than 10% of its military to keep them as part of Russia. It would take a massive combined armed force of nato to then in counter invade and confront the russian army to push them out of those regions and thus world war three starts or there's a diplomatic solution you get you meet at the bargaining table you agree and you agree to some certain demands hey the rest of ukraine gets to be part of the gets to be part of the west and these territories stay part of russia those are the only two ways this works and it is incredible to me to see so many people in the west lying to themselves about the realities of the end of this conflict in some fantasy where the plucky resistance of ukraine turns everything around it is a fantasy and it's not going to happen the there is the scenario where putin gets cooed out of power or assassinated by the cia if that happens, the only thing that will result is hardliners in Russia taking power and committing enough troops to completely conquer Ukraine or starting World War III with NATO. It, it just it seems very irresponsible on the part of the West to continue this confrontation in the way that we're continuing it. So... Um... Do you think that the United States is looking for an off-ramp? Is that why this got um, Yeah, released? is that why Business Insider was allowed to yeah, why? report this? Possibly. I, Although I, I guess I don't see it. Uh, maybe, maybe they are. Maybe there's people behind the scenes. We have the election coming up mm-hmm. next year. So either Ukraine has to be winning by that time, or the conflict needs to be negotiated, or we need a negotiated truce. I, I don't know. It, who, so the Biden administration has to, by 2024, either have satisfactorily ended U- the war in Ukraine in a way that they can claim victory, 
or Ukraine has to be going on the offensive in a way that seems like all the money spent is getting us something is getting us something tangible. Right. I don't see any Ukrainian battlefield victories in the near future. And I also don't see any attempts to create a peace deal, because if that was going to happen, I feel like it should be starting now rather than waiting until next year. Right. Right. I, I also wonder because, you know, there is that, uh, document that's going to come out and obviously an investigation that's also going to come out into, you know, some sort of influence peddling scheme amongst the, um, when it comes to, sorry, an influence peddling scheme for Biden. Well, what if, what if it's a Ukrainian? Yeah. Or when you're talking about this, yeah, I'm sorry. Documents. Yeah, the, the document that's going to come out that said that while uh, while Joe Biden was vice president, he had a five million dollar um, basically money laundering or bribe, five million dollar yeah. bribe to change policy. Well, what if that was Ukraine? I don't I would not be surprised. I, again, it's always good to remember you Ukrainian sources were the largest nation uh, with the largest national source of funds being put into the Clinton Foundation while she was Secretary of State under Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. The, the Obama White House, its policy towards Ukraine and all these elected officials was very corrupt. Uh, There's a lot of backroom deals. There's a lot of money moving around. When he, Joe Biden was vice president is also when Ukrainian billionaire Igor Kolomoisky, owner of the company Burisma and funder of Zelensky's presidential campaign, was paying Hunter Biden, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month as a consultant. Right. So whoever was paying Biden all this money was probably either Ukrainian or Chinese. And I'd be very curious to see which one it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. But that's, um, I mean, yeah, I wonder, I I, I just, I call me conspiratorial in a a sense. I very seriously wonder um, how much of this is an off ramp because now that some of that stuff's coming out, I, it's funny because I have a feeling it's either going to be China or it's going to be Ukraine. I feel like it's Ukraine. I have nothing to base this on aside from just the absolute weirdness of everything that we know about Ukraine and especially how um, Biden approaches it. It just, there's something that tells me that this is where their money comes from, but we'll keep an eye on it and we'll definitely have to continue to check it out, but that's going to have to be it for today. So be sure to go to subscribestar.com forward slash think radio to help sponsor this program. And of course, follow us on Twitter, rumble locals, all of that stuff. Just look for wrong think radio and follow us from there. I'm Aaron from the East coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio.